GOB Sports Show podcast. In this episode, we talk with Rob Berkowitz with the Rady Jewish Community Center on Winnipeg teams joining forces on the Hate is Not Welcome Here initiative. And also Jamie Thomas, our Jets radio analyst, will join us to talk hockey and Brian Little's new passion, triathlons. That's all on the podcast. I'm not sure if you've heard, but there's a pretty heinous story that involves sports coming out of Spain. And it reminds us that sometimes people forget that athletes are humans. Spanish police have arrested seven people accused of racially taunting Real Madrid's Vinicius Jr. There was racial or racial verbal abuse hailed at him. He is a Brazilian soccer star who was black. There was an effigy of him hung off a bridge in January. There's long been criticism of Spain's handling of racist activities and cases of this in soccer. They've been accused of inaction, and now the president of Spain's Soccer Federation has acknowledged that they have a racism problem after this yet another case of abuse. Uh, Madrid has asked authorities to investigate this latest incident as a hate crime. A, a real terrible case of inhumanity, really, towards a person that's just trying to play a sport. And in the wake of that, we share what's happening here in Winnipeg, where six pro teams are joining together to say that hate is not welcome here. The Jets, Blue Bombers, Moose, Sea Bears, Gold Eyes, and Valor FC have all signed on to this initiative and will each dedicate a game during their upcoming seasons to it. It's a drive spearheaded by the Rady Jewish Community Center in partnership with the Rainbow Resource Center and Folklorama. And I caught up with the executive director of the Rady JCC this afternoon. His name is Rob Berkowitz. We talked with the initiative and getting these six teams on board with it. Uh, well, it was a matter of reaching out to, to representatives of, of each of our six professional teams. And thankfully, they're all lovely people and uh, professional people. And once I was given the opportunity to get out in front of them and present the premise and the concept behind uh, the, the Hate is Not Welcome Here initiative, um, essentially all teams were on board, and it was just a matter of going through the logistics and uh, and some of the, the elements of refinement to, to get it to where it is today. Why is it important to do this from your perspective? Well, I think it's important to highlight the fact that it's uh, not acceptable to marginalize people. And hate comes in all kinds of backgrounds and has all kinds of of indicators and um, people people should feel strongly about living in a world. I, I know that for myself and my children and the people I care about and where I work that it's important that people of all backgrounds, faiths and genders or sexual orientations should live a life that is safe, that they feel encouraged and empowered. And that's the type of world that I want to live in. And so this is a very small grassroots initiative to help to promote and perpetuate that philosophy. What message does it send that all the pro teams are on board with this? I think it sends a very strong message. Um, We know that the fabric of our community are things that we can cheer for. We uh, enjoy cheering for our team uh, or teams. And the fact that they have essentially rubber-stamped it by their endorsement and they're willing to participate um, is a very you know proud feeling for me and should be a proud feeling for all uh, Winnipeggers and Manitobans because it shows sends a very strong message that hate is not welcome at their venues nor within their organizations. How much does it bum you out that you still have to do something like this in 2023? Uh, it's... Uh, it can be very uh, disheartening at times, and 
unfortunately, I'm not sure I see the end in sight. But uh, we have to keep pushing forward, and we have to send these messages out so that uh, people that are unsure of how they feel about things are educated and become uh, more tolerant and understanding of others uh, that compose our great community. It is unfortunate, and like I said, I think it's a battle that we all share and that we're going to have for, for many years to come, but it's important that we take our opportunities and we step up when we can. From your perspective and the work that you do, how important is just knowing people that are different and, and understanding where different people come from and overcoming prejudice? Well, where I work, I happen to work in a wonderful place where uh, it's welcome to all people of all backgrounds and, uh, and, and sexual orientations. It gives me a sense of pride um, coming to work every day and being a part of any organization that is community-minded like that. Uh, it gives me a sense of community and it makes me feel a part of something greater than myself. Um, it's not meant to sound like I'm on a platform and trying to, to, to preach to others. I just, it, it's, it's, it's heartwarming for me. It's important. It's the, it's the fabric of who we are as a melting pot. And it's what's great about this community that we live in. And so uh, for me, it's the, the only thing that matters. What feedback have you heard from people on an idea like this where you have the different pro teams coming together to say, we don't want this around here? Well, so far it's been great. Uh, we've been talking about this for a little while, but we didn't obviously drop it in, until today, uh, mainly because there are several uh, elements and steps that were involved to get this right and to do it properly. And by the way, it's not without its hiccups, and I can assure you there will probably be more along the way, but the intention is at least pure. Uh, the feedback has been really, really great. Um, several media uh, headquarters have reached out to me, like yourself, and I'm grateful for that. The feedback from from uh, volunteers in the community, uh, members of, of Folklorama and all their wonderful pavilions and their leadership, as well as the Rainbow Resource Center, uh, has been really, really wonderful and warm. And then, of course, the, the teams themselves uh, buying into the concept and helping us to perpetuate a message that should be important to all of us. So it's been great, and I'm anticipating some additional uh, feedback that will be very positive and will allow us to to, to deliver this because it, it's, it's not just one day, of course. It's spread over six months, and our first game is, is coming up on, uh, on the 15th of June. It's a Sea Bears game, and, and then subsequent to that, we go to, to a Gold Eyes game, of course, and then on to a Bomber game, a Valor FC, a Moose game, and then we conclude in November with the Jets. So, so far, the feedback has been great, and I anticipate that this, I guess, this hopefully this passion for the concept will continue to grow over time. Do you know yet what special things will be happening at these games as part of this initiative, or is it too soon to say? It's too soon because, of course, if you go to any of these uh, venues, you know that they have their own game day productions. All we've really asked for is for each of the six sport organizations to incorporate the Hate is No More initiative, or pardon me, Hate is Not Welcome Here initiative, into their game day production. Certainly not going to supersede uh, major sponsors or game day sponsors that they have. It'll just become part of it. There'll be sections uh, that will uh, have our patrons uh, that, that have been able to secure tickets to these games to go and to, uh, again, continue to perpetuate the message that the hate is not welcome. And um, we anticipate fine and, uh, and, and, and fair uh, cooperation from the teams, but we don't know exactly what that will look like just yet. Hopefully it'll be everything from Jumbotron profile, ribbon boards, to PA announcements and things of that nature. 
Well, Rob, wish you the best of luck in this initiative. It's a good one to have, especially uh, in light of what we've seen recently in, in Spain and what one soccer player there is going through yeah, and the racist right. attacks he's had to endure. You look at something like that, and, and we do know that sports have an ability to unite, but there are also cases where sports, you know, fandom can get people so wrapped up that they kind of forget that athletes are humans too. That's right. It does. It does happen, and we forget. Also, uh, you know, we scapegoat coaches and general managers. We see it all the time. It happens pretty much every day. And you're right. And then, of course, depending on where you're situated, and and the the fabric of of a sport in a particular community, like you talked about in Spain, um, things can get really out of out of hand, and people can lose perspective very quickly. Hopefully, this will be uh, one of those types of initiatives that. Uh, reminds people of, of of why we love sports and all the good that comes from it, and and hopefully it'll it'll play a role in uni- unifying people in the manner that you know, we intended it to be, and and because those are all important things. Rob, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this. Best of luck with everything. Thanks so much for having me, Christian. As we welcome in a man who has spent a lot of time watching hockey this year because that's his job, Jamie Thomas, color analyst for the Winnipeg Jets. And, Jamie, let me just start with this. Yeah. With Vegas win away, well, I'm assuming they're going to close out a 4 nothing win right now against Dallas. Does it make – should that make Jets fans feel differently about how their series went with the Golden Knights? <clears throat> no. No, not at all. I, I, I think the thing that – I've obviously had some time to think about this, but – and I'm not trying to – make the like massage this a little bit to make it sound better. But I think just one game ruined everything the way that the team had played the rest of the series. Right. So it's just like uh, the, the way the effort was and the performance in game five overran everything else that they had built up before that, right. All the goodwill that they had built up. And I, you know, you know, Paul and I had talked about this and if the jets lose game five in overtime, I think people would have been okay. Right. You, 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 lost Morrissey, you lose Shifley, uh, you fought as hard as you possibly could to stay alive in the series, and you lose in overtime in Game 5. Okay. But just the way things went down, I think, that that sour taste is still going to be in your mouth um, no matter what happens. Whatever Vegas does, it's still going to bother you because you were in a good position, and you just kind of let it slip away, right? And so um, clearly Game 3 plays a huge role in all this, but I don't, I don't think it's going to make anybody feel any better whatever Vegas does, because it's just going to bother you a little bit more. I, I think losing to Vegas, too, just bother, will bother people for a long time because of what happened in 2018. The rivalries there, you just don't feel good about anything losing to Vegas at, at any point, or no matter what they do uh, in the 2023 Stanley Cup playoffs. So Vegas is uh win and 26 minutes away from going to the Cup yeah. Final. Florida as well. Paul Maurice goes to Florida, mm-hmm. and it looks like he's going to get into the Stanley Cup Final. How do you feel about... Uh, what the Florida Panthers have done this year with Maurice in charge there. Well, Christian, I'm, I'm sure, you know, anybody that watched when the jets went to, to Fort Lauderdale or sorry, sunrise, Florida played Florida, just the way that game went, it was a heavy game. And I'm sitting there thinking, Oh man, if these guys get in and I know the jets won that game in overtime and they walked out of there with two points and went on to sweep the, the, the Florida teams. But if, I just watched that game. Watched that game. Like if they get into the playoffs, they're going to be problem. They're going to be a handful for anybody because of how they play the game. And they make you pay to do anything. And it's hard to. And it's a hard team to play against. You get some type of goaltending. So Sergey Bobrovsky 
highly criticized, and as he should be, for the way he's played since he signed the contract that he has with the Florida Panthers. In some ways, you could look at it and go, he's been stealing money. Well, all that, he's his payback now, the way he's been playing. So, just to, to my further to my point, is just if they got in, they're going to cause some problems. They were the perfect team to face Boston in the first round, as we saw, and how everything shook down. Now you're on confidence level, and now you get past the Maple Leafs. Um, you win three games in their building. Now you're just like rolling, and now the confidence is all there, and your goaltender's playing the way it is, and now it's just like they can't lose. And it just feels like they're just meant to go to the Stanley Cup final. And it, it's not the same as 96, Christian, at all, but this is the role that they got in back then, too, and Doug McClain was running everything with, the, the you know, of course, the rats on the ice and everything um, way back when. But it's all about momentum and confidence, and they have a plenty of it right now, and they have the right players you know, great leadership group with the stalls in there. Um, clearly, Matthew Kachuk has elevated his game to where it is right now. But they, to when, going back to when the Jets were in Fort Lauderdale slash Sunrise, they looked like a team that would be a problem once they got if they got into the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, and here we are. I mean, we, you know, the LA Kings have done this. They did this before too when they got in as the eight seed, and they caused all kinds of problems on the way to the Stanley Cup final too. It's just the same system, same way. Hard to play against. And great goaltending, and it's 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 the great formula, and it's got a one win away from the Stanley Cup final. And a reminder too in hockey that you can do all the planning you want, mm-hmm. all the preparation, build for years, like Toronto did, like Boston yep. has, Carolina, though they're really missing Sveshnikov and Pacioretty right now. Yes, but if the other team's got a hot goalie, you're kind of screwed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's it seems reductive, but that's kind of how it goes in hockey sometimes. That's right, and and look no further, like Aiden Hill. Had, was you know you look at Vegas when they go in the playoffs you looked at it, you know okay this team goaltending is not their their strong point but what Dallas or sorry what Vegas has done has made it incredibly hard to get shots on goal uh, they defend well they block a ton of shots uh, very physical um, which is obviously the way you have to play in the Stanley Cup playoffs and now it's starting to work in their favor and um, you work you you look at your organization. What Vegas did, they saw they didn't. They, their best, their finest point wasn't goaltending, so you build around that, and you make it hard for people to get shots through, and you you clear clear up the front of the net. Um, Vegas has defended so well, but let's not forget, Dallas had Vegas. Like it's inconceivable what happened in the last the last part of that game in game number two, when that puck gets rimmed around the boards and Ryan Suter misses, you know, throws around the boards and then goes to the front of the net and completely misses his check. Like he completely misses his guy in front of the net, goes to the front of the net for no reason. And then of course Vegas ties it up and, and then they go into window overtime. They Dallas had them. They had defended well. They only have 10 shots. Vegas only had 10 shots in the first two periods in game number two. So it isn't like Vegas has dominated this series. They're dominating tonight. And I'm, you had said before I came on, Jake Ottinger is a shell of the guy we saw last year in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I don't even know who this guy is. So you get bad goaltending, and now all, confidence is gone. And then now what? And Vegas is full of confidence as well. It's very similar to what you know Florida's playing like right now, and it's amazing what that will do is at, at this time of year when it's harder and harder to win. I've said this before, too. It's not like Florida and, and the Miami Heat are your run-of-the-mill eight seeds. No. They were both the one seeds last year. Yeah, yeah. And and a lot of the personnel, the, the Heat are the, pretty much the same team. They've got, a, like, Caleb Martin's different. But for the mm-hmm. Panthers, Matthew Kachuk's there this year. Paul Maurice is yeah. there this year. There are more changes there. But I, but we'll get, we'll get to the featured topic in a moment. But yeah. a thought on Matthew Kachuk and how he's become 
through this play because you know regular season stats are one thing, but really legends are forged in the postseason. And what he has done in this playoffs, three overtime winners, and has been a big part of what's gotten to this point. He's really put. He was a hard finalist, and now we're seeing a world where Matthew Kachuk be one of the best players in the NHL. Yeah, and, and if it wasn't for Sergey Bobrovsky, we'd be talking about him being the Conn Smythe uh, winner too, right? Or the guy, the front runner for that at this point too. And you know, you, you all you have to do is look back to last year in Calgary. Like the, he had a great first series against Dallas in the opening round, and then had a great game one against Edmonton, and then was completely invisible for the remaining four games when when Edmonton completely took that series over. And you're wondering, man, what can can this guy? elevate play the way he does in the regular season in, in the Stanley Cup playoffs well we have our answer now just a change of quick scenery and that's credit to it is credit to Bill Zito and company it's just like okay we were finished first overall we didn't get the job done we got to make some tough decisions here and they did they trade away two great players um, to Calgary and get Matthew Kachuk and you know it, it looked like a great trade for Calgary which I still think it is when you get the right coach in there for for the Flames next year, but this guy is the perfect player at this time of year. He hasn't taken any stupid penalties. He hasn't run around. He's played the perfect game in the Stanley Cup playoffs, frustrated the other team enough and scored some big goals. So he has really been the right key and the right player at the right time. But this is all going back to the offseason to make some tough decisions. When things don't go right for your team, you got to make some moves. And I know it's not, it isn't going to happen for everybody because those trades aren't always, always, always going to happen. That trade is, you know, doesn't work out for everybody all the time, but it has so far for both teams. But um, it's full credit to Florida for recognizing they had to do something to get them over the hump, and they they're they're almost there. Love talking hockey with you, but also having you on the show to talk about your feature on mm-hmm. Jets.NHL.com, and that mm-hmm. is what Brian Little is up to these days. Because we know one thing about athletes is that that competitive desire kind of leaks through to a lot of parts of their life a lot of times. And for little mm-hmm. who we know didn't get to finish his hockey career on his own terms has turned his competitive juices to what Jamie Thomas <laughs> triathlon and more in more in particular, half Ironmans. And um, I ran into, I saw Brian on the floor at the gala in, in the winter and I just asked him what he was doing. And he actually, he just told me randomly that this is what he was up to. And, you know, he he had done some sprints, and it's a smaller, he says it take about an hour. It's still a triathlon, but a much smaller distance. And I can't remember the exact numbers of everything, but it, it literally takes an hour to do it. Did one in 2018, did one in 2019. And the funny part, like I said, in 2018, he was, you know, the swim part, obviously I think for anybody that get, gets into that sport was the hardest part. He said he was like laying on his back, floating, because he was, you know, not that's not obviously what he had been training for. And then the next year in 2019, saw a little more, you know, trained a little bit more for it through hockey and kind of knew what to expect, bought a wetsuit, et cetera, et cetera, got around to it. But of course, as we all know, he gets that puck in the head and perforated a year and his, his hockey career abruptly stops. But fortunately for him, you know, there's, we've heard it a million times, guys, when their career comes to an end, they don't know what they're going to do. Well, Brian has found something. And I, I, let me clarify his daughter and his wife are number one priority. And he's, thrilled to be driving his, his almost five-year-old daughter to school, you know, preschool, uh, taking her to activities. That's his number one priority. He does all his training when she's at school or at, at, at her activities. So, um, you know, Brian has found something that is he's passionate about and, you know, he's bought a, he's bought a triathlon bike. Um, and now he's got a big iron half Ironman coming up in, in July in, in the Muskoka 
area. Of course, that's in Ontario. Um, uh, he's out, he's in Cambridge, Ontario right now, but I, it was, it was just funny talking to him about it because, and it warms you because of how great of a player Brian Little was, but a great person. And anybody you talk to, the trainers, coaches, teammates, how great of a person Brian is. So to hear that he's doing well and has found something to distract him and keep him busy, I think was the best part of it. And it was, I, I, that was the, the part that made, I liked writing about it the most. And, you know, he's got a coach now. Now the coach, Brian and his coach, James, don't, you know, hang out one-on-one. It's more through emails and texting and, um, you know, Brian's worked on his swimming, you know, James got in the water, did the underwater video to show Brian what his, uh, you know, what, what he needed to fix in his swimming. And, you know, Brian had said to me that he has stiff ankles and stiff shoulders. That's what, you know, clearly that's what hockey players do. Swimmers swim their whole life, have the more flexibility in their ankles and their shoulders. Uh, Brian's working on that, but uh, just loves it. He's passionate about it. And um, it, I, I hope people enjoy the article as much as I did writing it. What do you think Brian Little meant to this team and city? Uh, a lot. And I, I think, you know what, I think um, he was underappreciated in some ways because I think people expected the numbers to be there because of the contract that he had. But there was more to what Brian Little was. Brian Little was excellent in his own end, a highly intelligent player, you know, chose to surrender points to make sure that, you know, while Patrick Laine and Nikolai Ehlers adapted to the National Hockey League defensive part of their game, he, you know, overcompensated in the defensive end to make sure that, you know, they, that he's given up the points because he didn't want the goals to go in his own end, right? So, you know, of course, Patrick Laine is getting all the headlines because of the goals he's scoring. But, of course, there's the shortcomings in the other end. Brian Little compensated for that because of how smart he was and realized that he had to do that to allow these young players to adapt to the NHL game, the everyday grind and everything like that. But I, I think, you know, you ask any player, you ask anybody in the in the dressing room what he was like and uh, great, great sense of humor. You know, we didn't get to see it clearly because we're not in the dressing room. But I don't think there's anybody, you know, anybody could be happier for – anyone in the Jets in 2018 in that Stanley Cup run than Brian Little because of, you know, he'd been here through the beginning, uh, been through a lot of hard times, and clearly with the Atlanta Thrashers and their struggles. But that Stanley Cup run or Stanley Cup playoff run that year in the the, the spring of 2018 was, I think a lot of people were really happy for Brian Little. So uh, I don't think I can put into words what he meant to the team, but I think if anybody asked any, just ask somebody, just ask. Rob Millette, um, you know, Brad Shaw, what he was like to deal with, um, you know, the, the athletic therapists of the Jets, they'll tell you. Um, you ask any of the coaches, anybody, um, they'll tell you how great of a guy he is. And uh, that's why I'm really happy that he's found something to keep him busy. And he's a he's about 14 and a half months younger than Blake Wheeler to give people perspective yeah. on uh, on when his career ended. I'll get you out yeah. of here on this and it, but kind of a loaded big picture question, but... Mm-hmm. Should he get his number retired by the Jets? Like from from what I've what I've learned about him over the years, I think so. Yes, because of what he meant uh, to the team. the The numbers aren't there because, of, but I've just explained to you why. Um, but to, for a guy that gave everything, um, was a team guy first. I, I think he should. Um, but that, I, I think I'm a little bit biased now because of what I know about him and what I've learned about Brian over the years. But um, I, I would I would like to see Brian Little's number 18 up up in the in the rafters. And it, um, you don't need to be a Hall of Fame. Chris Neal got no. his number retired in Ottawa. It's all about kind no. of what a player means to a team and its franchise. And you know he's That's a day I mean. one Winnipeg Jet 2.0. So 
Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that one. And I think people, you know, there's a lot of guys, you know, that have had their Jets, their numbers are retired uh, here, not some number, but they're, up, you know, Jets honored. Hall of Fame. Yeah, have been honored that are not Hockey Hall of Famers, but they're Jets Hall of Famers. And I think that's okay. And I think Brian Little belongs there. The story, no slowing down for Brian Little. You can find it on winnipegjets.com. Jamie Thomas, the author, and our guest tonight. Jamie, appreciate your time as always. Have yourself uh, a great summer until we talk to you again. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you soon, Christian. Thanks for having me on.